Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees are circling Corey Seager. How real is it and will they be denied? Anthony Rizzo's family says he wants to come back to the Yanks. Which family member is it? An uncle, a weird aunt that we don't really talk about? Who knows? But it's time to start thinking about what Rizzo's future in pinstripes might look like. And that brings you to Luke Voigt. A non-tender is a possibility. You want to complain about not getting enough at the trade deadline and diminishing his value in the second half and all the things the Yankees did? Now is the time because if all you can do is non-tender Luke Voigt, that's a bad look. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. You might notice I no longer have a voice. I've been in Los Angeles for five days enjoying the company of good friends, spending time at a wedding. I had a lovely time. I broke into Dodger Stadium. I did do that. I will talk about it. Uh, but Thomas Carinante. I'm not going to make you carry the ship. I'm here. I'm vibing. I'm good. But like if people like I wish this were a live podcast record so that people could give us live feedback, like it's very unpleasant to listen to you. And I'd be like, great, I'll back off. <laughs> Welcome back, dude. Uh, glad to have you running the ship. Um, I don't I don't know if I like running the ship. Sometimes I do, depending on if the if the topics really get me incensed, which a couple did. Uh, while you were gone, but I, I like will say so. you did the one man pods. When I do the one man pods, I usually just cap them at like 20 minutes. You were going full length one man. Pod. I didn't even realize. Impressive. Yeah, I didn't oh, even yeah. realize. I was just talking and then I'm like, oh, shit, 35 minutes. All right. Enjoy it. More for you, people. I know you don't like it, but it's it's for the haters. It's for the <laughs> more haters. for you, more for you. The thing that you hate. Here it comes. Yes. Yeah. Enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, a lot of tertiary things, too. We got game one of the World Series, which was uh, we're going to love the result of that. Um, questions surrounding the Dodgers offseason, too, which is going to affect the Yanks in some capacity. Then we got the Yanks stuff. All weird, all weird stuff with the Yanks, too. Rizzo's family member saying he's eager to be back. But 
are the Yankees going to sign him to a deal that is probably going to be, I projected a four year, I think $56 million contract, 14 mil a year for him. He's, he's never gotten paid. He was on a six year or a seven year, $41 million contract with the Cubs. Now he's entering what age 32 or age 33. He's going to want, it's going to want this one final payday to matter. Is that something Yankees want to invest in? Are they really going to non-tender Luke Voigt? Are they really going to pay for Corey Seager? I don't know. A lot of this stuff is, uh, a lot of this stuff is going to make for, uh, a very tumultuous offseason because either we're getting these crazy things that are going to happen or we're getting a lot of mixed signals and we're going to get smacked in the face with stuff from left field. So I'm kind of thrilled about it. I, I, I want an entertaining offseason at the very least. I, I think they're going to do some of the moves that we are going to demand of them. Um, so I I don't think there's going to be much of a reason to be discouraged when all is said and done. Yeah, let's talk about Rizzo briefly, just because you are right. Um, I mean, the common refrain among Yankee fans is that he turned down a five-year, $75 million extension with the Cubs. So why would he be a Yankee for anything less? Um, and, you know, I don't really have any ability to refute that. Um, you can take the Rizzo family comments any way that you want them. I think it's easy to jump at that offseason tidbit and go, oh, my God, reunion, of course. Who People usually reunite with the Yankees after showing up midseason. That's why the Yankees target these people in trades. Jay Happ, it, like people recently have joined the Yankees midseason. They, the thought has been, well, it'll be a nice half-season audition. Then they found a way to make it work. Um, but Rizzo, yeah, he, he loved the Cubs. A lot of people were talking about how unhappy he looked when he joined the Yankees and how he sadly walked around Wrigley Field and did a farewell lap and whatnot. Um, and so you'd think that he wouldn't take any sort of hometown discount from the Yanks, considering it's not it's not his baseball hometown. Um, but five years, 75 is is not something I would match for Rizzo. And the reason why is, you know, I'm we'll talk about Corey Seager in a bit. I'm less concerned than ever about co lengthy contracts blocking the Yankees from spending. But I remain concerned about lengthy contracts blocking the Yankees from being able to move on from players. Mm -hmm. And I think Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, I loved what he provided this year. He was a, you know, a, the bat was slightly below average trending uh, for the full season it was a little bit above average sort of marginally the glove was amazing the leadership was great Rizzo post COVID was a different animal and so that's presumably something we would not have to deal with in 2022 and beyond but that being said the aging curve is coming you know nobody escapes it forever I don't think Anthony Rizzo in three years is what Anthony Rizzo is today I'm not worried about the money. If Rizzo wants to come back to the Yankees, I would welcome him back and I would take him for two or three years at a hefty price. I'm not even the worried about length guy usually, but after seeing what happened to DJ LeMahieu, if I'm going to commit length to someone, now I want to make sure that they are that long-term fit. Um, it has nothing to do with money hamstringing you know, the, the overall budget in later years. It has everything to do with the fact that if after three years Rizzo's time in the bigs is largely up, then I have to start thinking about why I have him for two more years. Then I'm paying a bench piece. And you know what? There are worse things than having Anthony Rizzo as your backup first baseman if the money doesn't matter. But I'm of the mind that if he wants to come back, great. Let's get him under that 575. Let's max out the dollars in three years and see what we can make happen. Also, it does feel a little bit negligent to move on the Rizzo thing, which is clearly what the family is trying to do without 
checking in on Matt Olson first. You can't let somebody else get that offseason prize and then wake up on opening day 2022 and one of your rivals has Matt Olson, who is a better and younger player and cheaper at this point than Anthony Rizzo. And I hate to do that because I love Rizzo. I'd welcome him back, but, you know, Olsen's better. Olsen's better at this point. Oh, we, you just think you, you can go out and trade for Matt Olsen, dude? You spoiled I do brat think that. Yankees I, fan? I think, I think the team that never keeps stars ever might want to trade their yes. stars. The argument about Matt Olsen, like, I put him in our I put him in our dream lineup that was published today on Yanks Go Yard. Like, people are going to complain about, oh, you think you could just go out and trade for Matt Olsen? Uh, I mean, I think I could go out and trade for anybody if a team wants to fucking get rid of him especially the A's who famously get rid of Olsen's salary is about to go up to $12 million and the A's have free agents all the way down the roster. They're and I'm not they, trying to trade for Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I'm not trying to steal a core piece from, from a perennial contender. Matt Olsen is a realistic acquisition. I think you're totally right. You got to go in there. You got to ask, you got to gauge, see what's going on. And maybe, maybe, maybe they're willing to trade him. Maybe they want a shortstop prospect and a pitching prospect to kind of retool and get back into contention. This is what the A's do. They cycle out their good players when they reach the escalating salaries and arbitration, and then they start all over again, and they're back in the playoffs in a year. Do, do, you, do you watch what happens, guys? Um, but anyway, for is somebody Rizzo, is somebody going to beat you to Rizzo? That's no. the thing. Is, is, well, is somebody blitzing Rizzo on day one of free agency? I doubt it. Um, and, the, and look, I don't – I'm not even – that concerned about him rejecting the five-year $75 million offer from the Cubs because he um, he felt a certain way about the Cubs. When he left there, he talked about how they weren't willing to kind of pony up for their core pieces, and he mentioned Javier Baez and uh, Chris Bryant as two others. Um, I understand 575 for Rizzo is also generous, but also the Cubs, like, the Cubs could have, like, been – they could have operated in good faith a little bit better with his, with Rizzo's contract extension, maybe like Mm -hmm. tore it up in 2017 after the world series win and been like, Hey dude, like we have a clear timeline on whether or not we think we're going to have this group of players together. So like, here's a little bit more money. You deserved it. You can let us to our first world series in 108 years. Like the Cubs did (laughs) not operate in good faith. So why would Rizzo want to sign a five-year deal with a team that's rebuilding from the bottom up? and clearly doesn't have like that many answers. The Cubs did make some good moves at the trade deadline to improve themselves for the future, namely the uh, the uh, Craig Kimball trade. I think they got good pieces there that could help them immediately and uh, long-term. But Rizzo is nearing the end of his career. He doesn't want to sit there for a retool and a rebuild, especially with a front office that he doesn't entirely trust. Why would, mm-hmm. you, why would you do that, especially when you're not, you're not sure what the return play, how good the return players are going to be from the jump. Rizzo doesn't have that much time left. That's why it makes sense that he wants to return to the Yankees because the Yankees do have the foundation and infrastructure to win a championship. Do they suck? Yes. Are they the worst? Yes. Do I hate Mm -hmm. them? Absolutely. But they do have, they're missing a couple of things and it's really not that much, especially for a team with a lot of resources to patch up the roster and make them, uh, make them a little bit more sturdy going into a very crucial 2022. So that's why I'm not that concerned with Rizzo taking whatever you'd call a hometown discount. I don't What do you think about four years, 56? Is that too much for you? Um, I'd love to stop at three. Yeah. I, I wouldn't like, I, I would you, know. you do three years? Would you do three years for 60? Yeah, that that's what I would do. Okay. 
Because I, I just don't think the money matters anymore. And, no, and I think, you know, we'll go into this with the Corey Seager stuff in a little bit. But basically, if the Yankees are willing to pay $300 for Corey, $300, I, I'd pay that too. <laughs> um, if they're willing to pay $300 million for Corey Seager and they will not be denied and they've zeroed in on him as their guy and they want a 28-year-old lefty bat, uh, cool. That means money really doesn't matter. That means mm. that, you know, that makes resetting the luxury tax during Garrett Cole's prime in 2021, particularly annoying. Sure. I get it. I'm right there with you. I'm at the front of the picket lines, but if they're paying $300 million for Corey Seager, that means they don't care what they're paying anyone at any point ever, because that's not a decision you make just two, three years down the line go, uh Oh, now I'm paying money. Like Hal Steinbrenner's not going to wake up and remember he has money to pay. If that's the decision he's making. So, all these backloaded deals, all the things that like the haters want to be like, oh, it looks so much worse in year four than year one. Like, cool, great. Obviously, that is not a concern to the Yankees if they plan to offer Seager money after paying Cole money, after paying Stanton money, and probably just before paying Judge money. I'm not concerned about the money piling up. I'm just concerned about the players' longevity. And so I, I don't know if there are three more years of Rizzo uh, at, you know, it, it, five versus three, actually, I do think is a big deal. I wish we could have gotten LeMahieu for four years at this juncture um, because if somebody has to be a bench player, I just don't really want to be paying them starting salary. And then you have that uncomfortable thing of what am I doing here? But it is a good point. Uh, you know, the Cubs aren't the Yankees. That's worth mentioning. Like, too often we get lost in this thing of like, Rizzo is a Cub for life. And he turned down 575 from the Cubs. Well, the Cubs made it very clear they had no intention of competing now or in the future. All the prospects they took on for you, Darvish, especially, it was like a laughable collection of 17 and 18-year-olds. It was the running joke at the time. They not only traded all of their assets, but they traded all of their assets for boom or bust, you know, lottery tickets, 21 and under players that they are not ready next year or the year after, maybe three years. So yeah, Rizzo, what if you, if we're saying he has three prime years left, he wants to spend those on a 71 win team. And then as he loses uh, uh, his luster a little bit, then suddenly the team is competing and he's just this old man, veteran leader, grandpa Rossi type. No, he wants to use his next few years on a team that's going to win games. And he's probably a little too pricey for the cost conscious Red Sox, uh, who are the other natural fit. They're chasing Kyle Schwarber, maybe, but maybe he's too pricey too. Maybe the Red Sox just wimp out all offseason. That might be nice. But $75 million from the Cubs who've already disrespected him and let it be known that they're not going to re-sign their core and they're going in a different direction for several years versus three years, 60 mil from the Yankees is a different situation. I also wonder, his buddy Jock Peterson, did, do they want to be a package deal? I would love that. Three years, 45 for I'm, I'm also sick of talking about things for so long that are obvious answers and then the Yankees not doing them. So like maybe we just don't talk about them and then the Yankees do them. No, but we have to we have to talk about them. I mean, whatever. <laughs> what, what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> we just stop talking for the entire offseason. And the we just I the intro. I open the podcast and I just welcome everybody to the podcast. And it's 35 minutes of silence <laughs> with an ad break in between. We're we not going to do it. We don't want to jinx it. We talked about Jock Peterson last offseason saying, oh, great. Like the Yankees need a fourth outfielder who is going to get a lot of at bats. Like Dodgers fans are saying, oh, we couldn't bring him back because he wanted to be a starter. And it's like he got the same amount of at bats this year as a starter than he has in any year with the Dodgers. In fact, some of the years with the Dodgers, he got more either platooning or filling in for injury. There's always a spot guys. 
Your starting nine is never definite. It's never concrete. Look what happened to the Yankees this year. We had five players out of position. People got injured. People regressed. There's going into a season thinking that your starting nine on paper is going to last for 162 games is mental. Jock Peterson would have been a fine fit. You could have, you could have put the heat on Clint Frazier a little bit more. Maybe you just get rid of Clint Frazier in June at that point. Cause he's two, two months of batting 150. Brett Gardner doesn't have to be as integral as a, as a figure as he was. Joey Gallo doesn't have to bat, uh, sit in left field. Maybe Jock could have played some left field. Gallo could have played some center. So it would have been there. It would have been good. Or we might not have had to get Joey Gallo because Jock's a lefty bat who's clutch. It would have been great. I would have loved it. Now he's in the World I, Series. Yeah. We just, we're right all the time. It, it makes <laughs> you wonder why the Yankees can't just do these things that are doable. Like, why don't we have Jock Peterson and Charlie Morton? We could. Why don't we have Michael Brantley? We could. All three of those people are in the World Series. Um, and you know what? If Charlie Morton's a Yankee, I think, uh, you know, the baseballs are naturally not attracted to pinstripes. So the, the ball would not have struck him in the leg. He would not have fractured his fibula. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Corey Sieg. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back to the Inkscare Yard Podcast. Thomas, I know you addressed the secret rumors uh, mm-hmm. on the Monday pod that it is a 10 to 12-year deal. I, I lost sight of that while in Los Angeles, California. That one, that one slipped by me. I actually was not aware of that. You broke the news to me. Um, I have a Corey Seager-related story. I, I made a purchase. I bought a Corey, Seager, uh, a Corey Seager souvenir baseball on Monday at Dodger Stadium. Um, mm. That's now in my possession. I have that on my desk because I am that prepared for Corey Seager to be the New York Yankees next starting shortstop and eventual starting third baseman, because it really is starting to feel that way. How did I get the Corey Seager baseball? You may ask. And is it a good luck baseball? It better be after what I went through. Um, I don't know who's experienced it. So I end up, I, I'm sort of, I'm in LA for this wedding. I'm far away from Dodger stadium. The Dodgers obviously are not playing baseball games there because I fly in the day after game five. So I don't get to see a game. Very sad. I have not been to Dodger stadium, a place that I love in four years. Um, but then on, on Monday, I end up staying with a friend in Glendale and suddenly he's like five minutes from Dodger stadium. And I'm like, Oh, I, Oh, I'm going to get to see it after all. That's great. I, uh, I take a car, uh, from his house, five minutes, every car in LA costs the same amount. That's a fun, that's a fun fact from an LA outsider to people who want to know about what it's like to drive around Los Angeles, California. If you don't have a rental car, every Lyft or Uber you take is the same goddamn price. You could be going six minutes. It will be $12. Add another four minutes to that. It becomes $20. And then add 35 minutes to your drive. And it's like 30 bucks. You hmm. should ultimately be driving 40 minutes everywhere because you're getting the most bang for your buck. Otherwise, you're dropping $20 a coin no matter where you're going at all times. Like an idiot, I paid $12 to go to Dodger Stadium. It immediately starts raining as soon as I get there. The only place to be dropped off, according to the Lyft app, is the Lyft drop-off site. I don't know where that is. I'm not from LA. So I get to the front security gate. Guy goes, is this okay? I go, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know where you're supposed to drop me. This is fine. 
Woman at the security gate after he drives off goes, where are you trying to go? In the team store. She goes, uh, you're not even close. You're going to get sopping wet walking up the hill. That guy should have dropped you way closer. Thank you for the information. Um, you could have told the guy in the car. That would have been helpful. I walk up the hill to the Dodgers team store for 12 to 15 minutes in monsoon type rain. Um, I did sneak into the stadium, which I thought was pretty cool. Took some pics. Uh, was not supposed to be there for sure. Finally get into the, the store. I'm absolutely dripping. I bought the Seeger ball to make it worth my time. I asked the guy in the store, can I please call a, a return car to the store instead of the lift drop-off zone? He goes, no, you can't. Great. So I wander around the parking lot looking for the lift drop-off zone again. The car there was 12 bucks. Car back was 22 $35 and my clothes are absolutely covered in Los Angeles rainwater, a place where it doesn't even really rain. That is the sacrifice I made to make sure we got our lucky Seeger ball because... I do feel as if um, I, I committed a crime. First of all, cops could have arrested me for doing a crime. I don't think I'm supposed to be in that stadium. But second of all, I'm, I'm po- uh, you know, the, the rain is a- as heavy as it's ever been in the region. And so these are the things I go through. I battle the elements <laughs> for you people. Jeff Passan did come on the Michael K show this week and say, uh, Seager is the shortstop most likely to end up with the Yankees. Makes sense. He's a matinee idol. He's 27 turning 28. Uh, just before the new season or slightly into these. He's only like 27 and 120 days old at this point. Not great at math, but I believe that means he's going to be turning 28 at some point early in next season. That's good. World Series MVP, NLCS MVP. That's good. Uh, Shortstop, you know, average. Um, But if you're a believer in Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza, obviously you cannot make your 2022 decisions hoping that your two shortstop prospects pan out. Uh, but theoretically, if they both do, you can transition Seager to third, move one to short, maybe move Glaber Torres. You get a second and shortstop of the future. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Mm. I'm not ready for DJ LeMayhew, the first baseman. We can all have that conversation if we want. You can trade either Peraza or Volpe, probably Peraza. You can trade Cabrera, who's also hanging out. The Yankees are about to sign Roderick Arias, the 16-year-old Jason Dominguez equivalent, who also plays shortstop. A lot of shortstops floating in the pipeline, but you cannot make your 2022 decision based entirely around eventually accommodating future prospects because nobody's ready for 2022 except Corey Seager. I don't hate it. It, There is a sense of inevitability growing here, though. The Yankees have chosen their man. It's surprising. A lot of people picking Trevor Story because he's going to cost $150 million to $200 million less. Some people picking Carlos Correa because he is the prize of the class. Clearly, I would say if the Yankees are willing to spend, but not on Correa, that says a lot about what they think about Correa's personality. And I'm going to trust them on this one because as we've hopefully learned by now, um, personalities do matter. Uh, Garrett Cole and Brett Gardner screaming at each other. As stupid as a story that was, it kind of seems like it mattered. Joey Gallo having OCD and laying his clothes out absolutely doesn't matter. Shout out to Joey Gallo. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever read. Shouldn't have been written. But chemistry is real. It exists. And so if, you know what? I'm, I'm more committed to Aaron Judge than I am to Carlos Correa. I would assign Carlos Correa, but if they're not going to do it, there's a reason why. And if they're willing to spend money on somebody and it's Corey Seager, then that tells me the money is not a concern at all. It is not going to pile up. There will be no repercussions in five years because you don't do this with the memory of a goldfish. You do this knowing full well that you do not care about the consequences. So if the Yankees don't care, I don't care either. Yeah, before I get into my opinion on here, I want to say that I think it's great that we're talking about dropping bills because that's what the problem was the last two years. The Yankees clearly had holes that could have been patched up with just like one or two signings that would have brought them a little bit over 
the luxury tax. We weren't even asking for anything like too insane. It was just like, let's figure out shortstop. Let's get another starting pitcher. Let's get another, you know, contact bat that can play some good defense in the outfield. And then now we're talking. So uh, very simple things that could have been done that weren't done. And now we're talking about dropping another $300 million contract. I love it. I also like Corey Seager a lot. At the beginning of the year, that's that was my pick for who I wanted to be the Yankee shortstop in 2022. However, if we're talking about another $300 million commitment, um, you have to look. I, I talked about it on Monday. You have to look a little bit deeper here because, like, what are you looking for Seager to do? Are you looking for him to transition to third? Okay. He's played six career games at third base in his professional career. How do you know that that's going to work out too? I understand it's a it's a pretty sexy idea having Corey Seager at short for two years. Um, once again, though, uh, uh, a slightly above average defender. I think it, I don't think he's great. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. Um, he, he's totally no. solid at shortstop. Nothing overly special. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of injury problems, which has been a been big issue with the game. He's missed 200-something-plus games since 2018. Really, really not good. Really Those not good. Those injuries, though, they're, they're judge-like. They're, yes, they're they judge-like. Are. So they are, if, you, if you're concerned about Judge's injury history, then you need to be concerned about Seager's, too. But the difference between the two is that Judge's body is crazy. Yeah. So it, it's not irrational to expect that judge's style of play if unaltered eventually ends up resulting in much worse injuries seager stuff is not soft tissue he's just got to yeah. stop sticking his arm in front of yeah. you know baseballs he got uh, tommy john in 2018 which he only played in 26 games and then he missed 30 games the following season and then he broke his uh, uh bone in his hand or wrist this year that kept him out for 67 games um but then again, I'm not concerned about his health. I'm just, con- you know, you know what the story is with guys like this. It doesn't matter if the injuries are stupid and senseless. It doesn't matter if they're just made of glass. It's a trend. You see the, you see the warning signs like with Giancarlo Stanton. The, the, the warning signs for Giancarlo Stanton's injuries were there. He was oft injured in Miami. And then the Yankees decided, hey, let's bring in another slugger. He's going to elevate the lineup. And then injury problems persist in year two in year three, and then you're sitting here like, okay, great. Now it screwed us out of a playoff run. It screwed us in the shortened season from having better playoff positioning. So um, it, that, that concern for me is always there. And if you want to talk about Yankees knowing the right personalities, I don't trust them passing on Corey Seager if they think he has the wrong personality because I don't think Garrett Cole has the right personality for New York. I'm not entirely crazy about Aaron Judge's personality in New York. I know he has kind of <laughs> – he, I'm not. I mean, I'm really not. He has – they both have the ability to say the right thing and to not, like, ruffle any feathers, but they also have yet to prove in – they all have guards up when it comes to the New York media, and I get it because the New York media is tough. They take one thing you say, they spin it. It's not exa- It's not what you said at all. You saw what happened with Jameson Tyone last year when he said it would be nice to pitch with run support, which was a sentence within a giant paragraph. And that was the quote that was pulled, and then he got mad about it. But it's like, and it does seem it would be nice to pitch with run support. Yeah, it would Seems be nice. great. I think every pitcher has every right to say that. Um, so I don't think JMO didn't get crap for that, but he did. That quote was pulled, and then he was not happy about it. So we know what the New York media does. However, you also can't let the New York media control you. You need to control the New York. You need to control the narrative with the media. And I'm not saying go out there and you know drop your nuts on the table, kind of like what Correa does all the time. 
I know it's a little bit lower stakes in Houston where the media doesn't run the entire town like it does in New York, but I'd certainly like a guy who's a little bit more outspoken. who's not afraid to light a fire under the team or, you know, call out the rest of the team for poor play or say, you know, on a given night that your play was unacceptable instead of just telling us, Oh yeah, it's going to get better. We believe in this group of guys. No, at some point you say, Hey, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We got to have a talk. We got to figure this out. Like this is unacceptable. This is not, this is not at all what we had planned for. We need guys to step up both vocally and on the field. So I don't agree with the Yankees personalities that they bring in. They brought in robot after robot, DJ LeMahieu one, Corey Kluber, another judge. Like I said, great guy. Um, think he can move the. I, I, he has enough influence and power to, to move the needle a little bit and kind of uh, control the narrative there. Garrett Cole, uh, I, I don't know. Not, not enough fire for me in general. Um, but, and then you, and then you look at the rest of the other guys, like, Glaber, low energy, Gary, kind of low. I'm, I, I'm just saying, saying what kind of. I know, I know. Like, I, I sympathize because I came back from LA sounding like Garrett Cole. So I just <laughs> I finally understand what it's like yeah. trying to and, talk like that guy. Yeah. And it's nothing against these guys. I understand they have a job to do. I understand they might not, that might not be their personality. And that's totally fine. That's who they are. And if that's what they have, that's who they have to be. And, 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 uh, and come out as on a daily basis to succeed, then that's great. But the Yankees can't just keep putting all these same, like we talked about with Corey Seager, Corey Seager is the same guy. If he's over 25 or if he's 19 of 20 with 17 home runs, he it's the same. I'm doing my job. I'm going out and I'm doing it or I'm slumping. I'm going to stick with what I'm doing and I'm going to turn this around and it's all going to be okay. So I'm not against Corey Seager and pinstripes. If that's the move the Yankees do, then guess what? Corey Seager's my guy, man. Corey Seager's a Yankee. Corey Seager's my shortstop. That's the way it's going to be. But I do have some reservations about a $300 million, a 10 to 12-year contract in the $300 million range for a guy who, I'm not the one saying this, but other insiders are saying, yeah, it could be a couple of years before he's at third base. Okay, you're giving another $300 million contract out for a guy who might have to move positions, which could benefit based on the Yankees' trajectory in the farm system. But you're also giving a $300 million contract to a guy who isn't necessarily a vocal leader, at least based on what we've seen throughout his MLB career this, this far uh, until, until this point. So I think that this signing needs to be everything. It needs to be a staunch defender. It needs to be an outspoken leader, whether it's a one, a guy to Aaron judge, or whether it's the new outspoken leader and everybody follows, follows that lead or, uh, and it's somebody who has a penchant for playing in big moments. I know Corey Seager does have that, but I think, once again, I'm not criticizing Corey Seager. I like Corey Seager a lot. His 2020, his 2020 playoffs inflated his entire postseason career. And I'm not saying that because I don't believe in him, but it very much did. He it's hit true. It, it did. He hit seven home runs and 16 RBI and uh, 19 RBIs in that postseason or uh, 20 RBIs in that postseason. He has 36 RBIs and 13 home runs throughout his entire postseason career, which spans 61 games. So, I'm not taking any of that away from him, but if you want to look from a consistency standpoint, look what happened this year. He disappeared. He batted 167 in the NLCS, hit two home runs. That was it. And the Dodgers fell down. They went out with a thud. So once again, if Corey Seager's my shortstop and that's the Yankees decision that they make, I'm all for it, but I'm not going to sit here and say that doling out a 10 to 12 million, 300 million 
dollar uh, or 10 to 12 year, 300 million plus dollar contract doesn't have its concerns that go along with it. And I, I don't think that that's being overly harsh. No, I'm a little worried. There are definitely signs that he could be. I mean, every year the Yankees sign people and you go, great. I can't wait to see how they disappoint me. And there are a few specific ways in which Corey Seager might disappoint you. The playoff thing being a one-year mirage, the the fact that his two MVP series both came in Texas against Atlanta and Tampa Bay and in home and road games in the same ballpark and all Mm -hmm. that weirdness there's never been a year like that and hopefully there never will be ever again that'd be great if we could avoid that forever um so that yeah i mean that's a red flag Yankees are trying to get more athletic seager has stolen one base a year for the last three years Mm -hmm. uh it's not like he exactly adds that element of surprise you might want to sign starling Marte or something like that if you're trying to get more athletic seager is a little clunky seager is you know a hitter first and, and a shortstop second and and it is what it is. And again, I will wholeheartedly support it, but I will be on guard if it looks worse than I want it to. And if the 2021 postseason and 2019 postseason version of Seeger shows up instead of 2020 at first, at least for year one or year two, don't be shocked. It sounds ridiculous, especially if you are signing him for 10 years to say that so much hinges on year one, et cetera. But he's in his prime. Cole's in his prime. They, If they sign Corey Seager, they're signing Corey Seager to win the World Series in 2022. And if he shows up in the Division Series and goes one for 13 and the Yankees flame out of the Division Series in year one, then you, you already know that is going to reflect poorly on the situation. Uh, the Yankees, are need, they need to find that fire from somewhere. Um, Derek Jeter didn't necessarily have screaming fire, but he had swagger. The manager's not changing. The hitting coach is, uh, some other, you know, somebody's going to join that staff. I don't know who they're looking for an angry guy. And that's great. I need to find out who that is first. That fire has got to come from somewhere. It doesn't come from Aaron Boone. doesn't come from Aaron judge. It, I don't think it's going to come from Corey Seager either, but like you said, if he's the guy, he's my guy. And it says more about, the you know overall salaries clattering to the ground in the future for me than it does uh, anything else because if they're going to pay Corey Seager that giant money they are not I would be stunned if they're saying all right that's it the, you know we're gonna have to sit we're if we do this we're gonna have to sell the rest of our players in three years like there's no way that they're not prepared to you know have the consequences uh, pile on around them because the, the consequences are obvious so they must be embracing them otherwise they're dumber than we thought um, let's talk Luke Voigt briefly. Uh, a Luke Voigt non-tender was uh, was raised this week by Lindsey Adler. We've been throwing Voigt in our Matt Olson trade packages, etc., because he is a very recent MVP candidate, league home run champion, who still has value. He's not the centerpiece of these trades, and the Yankees did all they could to minimize his value this season and into the offseason and at the deadline. Somebody's going to enjoy having Luke Voigt in 2022. I don't think he's going to be the centerpiece of any of these trades, but is a non-tender really the option for someone who is going to roll out of bed and hit 35 home runs for somebody else as long as he stays healthy, which is a big, old, fat, huge if, because unlike Judge and unlike Seager, Voigt's injuries are all repetitive and all having to do with the the base-level mechanics of his body. His mm-hmm. knees are not good. Yeah. Um, I never considered this a possibility, to be honest with you. Because I thought he always had value. He's making what, like, I think it's a projected 5.4 million, somewhere between like 5.4 and 5.8 million, which is like not bad for a guy who's been above league average at the plate whenever, like, well above league average at the plate whenever he's healthy. But this is from Lindsay Adler of The Athletic, who's a trusted insider for this team. She's got a lot of insight 
Um, and her quote in the article about the Yankees shifting infield, there were a lot of things in there. So go read that from the athletic. You're going to, there's possibility of DJ LeMay becoming full-time first baseman. There's a possibly possibility of uh, DJ LeMay becoming a full-time third baseman. There's a possibility of, you know, maybe Voight coming back. Like it, it's crazy, but her one quote was quote, Voight was marginalized after returning from the injured list after the trade deadline and would seem to be a non non-tender candidate as he's projected to make more than $5 million in his second year of arbitration. So, and guess what? She did not preface this with Anthony Rizzo coming back. She did not preface this with another first baseman coming on board. She Mm -hmm. prefaced this just by Luke Voigt existing. So Mm -hmm. that's why now I kind of have a a concern about this because look, you're the Yankees. You did perfect word there. Marginalized. Voigt was marginalized. He was healthy. They could have fit him in the lineup. They opted not to. He got playing time, returned to him when Rizzo went on the COVID list, proved himself that he could still perform. Then the Yankees still told him to kick rocks. Um, Yeah, we're good. Thanks. Yeah, they tried to trade him at the deadline. They didn't do it. Like at that point, if you're, if there's even a consider, if you're looking ahead to the off season, like at this point, you probably know you're non-tendering him or not at the end of July. Right. Or Mm -hmm. like this thought process doesn't change in August and September, because if the thought process were to change, Voight would have changed your mind with not ten- non-tendering him because he performed well, aside from the times that you, you know, gave him four days off and then were like, hey, uh, Luke, uh, do you mind pinch hitting in the eighth inning, us down by two with the bases loaded? Uh, that would be great. Thanks. We'll see what you could do. You haven't had an at-bat in a week. Um, or even worse, we're down four nothing yeah. and there's nobody on base. You yeah. want to go up and rip a homer? Oh, you struck out trying to rip a homer? You look right. like a big old loser. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Cool. Um, so very, it would be a bad luck if he's non-tendered because you can't tell me the guy doesn't have any sort of trade value. I'm not saying he's going to fetch you a top 10 prospect. I'm not saying he could get your reliever. This guy's a starting baseball player. If he's healthy, I understand that the health is a big question, but health is a big question for a lot of, a lot of key players, especially Mm -hmm. ones coming into this free agent class. So if you're talking about a cost-effective first baseman who hits well above the league average when he's on the field, non-tendering him would look so bad. He's not going to be here next year. I think we can all agree on that. Whether Rizzo's here or not, the Yankees are going to figure something else out. I think they go for a lefty here, um, but he's not here. But non-tendering him and just letting him float away because $5.5 million is too much for you to absorb or you're nervous that $5.5 million is too much for another team to to take a chance on him, you should have just got rid of him at the deadline, man, instead of just, pulling this whole charade with not playing him and now just letting him go in the offseason. I I think it would look terrible. Yeah, of course it will. And the Yankees have no offense. That's they they didn't. I mean, what are we like? Am I am I crazy? Am I out on a limb here? They they didn't hit this year. And now we're giving away hitters um, just because we can. Um, You know, if Voight's not the Voight's not the salary problem on the roster, Gary Sanchez is a salary problem on the roster. And I, that's also hypocritical to say, oh, you're just giving away offense at backup first base. So let's give away offense a catcher. But if, you know, if money's no issue, sure. Bring back Gary Sanchez, bring in Tucker Barnhart after he gets non-tendered and platoon them both and do whatever. And Kevin Ploiecki provided more than Gary Sanchez this year. But oh, I, I don't think the Yankees are in a position unless they do an absolute hog wild spending spree and go get Starling Marte and go get Corey Seager and go get Jock Peterson and absolutely round out the bench with power hitters. I don't think they're in a position to be like, eh, I think we just dump Luke Voigt to the Wolves. 
I don't think they're in a position to do that. They certainly do. And, and it, but it does ring a little hollow when you're saying Voight gone, our new starting first baseman is DJ LeMahieu. That's all I want to caution people about. That looks, that's bad. Is it that big of a worry? I don't know. I think that's a, I'm worried about that. That's you. You are sacrificing 40 homer power oh. for a well, you yeah. know a guy who hit 260 this year and was below average from a power standpoint. I guess, but where are you going to put DJ? They took his position away, and they can't trade. I, I would be shocked if someone took DJ for for four years and seventy or five years and seventy five million. No, he's on the team. That, he's that on the just team. Circles back so to would the you rather, thing. Would you rather him starting at third base? No. <laughs> Well, because that's what it, it I had circles. in the dream lineup. I had him starting at third and batting last because. Oh, I wait. Well, yeah, no, sorry. I, I long term. No, this yeah. year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think starting at third, you get a new first baseman and then you third third base is an important position. Could DJ handle it for the next two years? Maybe. maybe. I think so. I think so. But then in this situation, you're trading G, uh, Gio Urshela and people are not going to like that. And then. Maybe Seager moves to third base in those two years' time, and then you get the short stuff up. I don't know, but there there is a log jam here. P- two people have to go. That's the end of the story. Two people have to go because DJ LeMayo is not going to be a roving $15 million player who's going to be popping up off the bench. It's just not going to no, happen. He could be in three years, though. Yes, yes. He not, can't not, be not, this year. No, definitely not this year, and I would venture to say probably not in 2023. No, but I'll just, yeah, I mean, Gio Rochelle's defense grades out not that well. It looks better to the eyes than it does yeah. to the metrics and the, is what it is. Uh, and Rochelle was sort of a league average bat this year, too. So if LeMahieu, you, you know, if the core muscle was really throwing him off, mm-hmm. I'll take starting third baseman DJ LeMahieu next year over starting third baseman Gio Rochelle. Um, and I'll certainly take starting third baseman DJ LeMahieu over starting first baseman DJ LeMahieu, which just feels like a second division way to make sure that you're com- not compounding past mistakes and you're trying to figure out how to start a guy who maybe, you know, you know, backslid for real in 2021 to what he had been prior to coming to the Yankees. I hope not. Uh, he's yeah. going to be in your lineup next year, though. Give me third over. Give me first. Um, and that's why it all cycles back to Anthony Rizzo. It's why I would be cautious about paying the, the, the possibly regressing player for five years is what it is. We'll see what happens soon enough. That is it for this Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, you can find me, if you want to, at Adam Weinerb on Twitter. Where can people find you? Where can I find you? Oh, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. I'm also hanging out on the Yanks Go Yard official account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, the dream lineup's getting some comments here. I think we got we got we have a positive discourse for once instead of people just calling us assholes. Uh, We have some Corey Seager adjustments in there, which, hey, I'll take it. Uh, We just want to talk, man. Head on over there. We're posting the all the articles from Yanksoyard.com. You can also head on over to Yanksoyard.com. Comment on all of our articles that you like or don't like. Uh, We want to hear from you. We want to engage. We want to know what's going on. We want to talk more. So until then, we'll talk to you on Pizza Friday. Maybe we have some more updates on this front. But remember, uh, someone just said this week that the winter meetings are going to preemptively be canceled because of the uh, expiring CBA, which I guess there's no traction on because it's MLB and they suck. Um, So expect a longer offseason here with no decisions really coming anytime soon. I guess I guess that's the moral of the story. So we'll have a lot to talk about, a lot to speculate on over the over the next couple months. Hey, turn me on. I'll do it. I love speculation. We'll see you on Friday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.